0: Hey, welcome to Grace Online. So glad you can join us again today. I uh, had a great Easter Sunday last Sunday, and it was a really cool experience. I'm hoping that you were able to experience that. If not, go back and watch that. Uh, there was a lot of cool things that God was doing in Easter, and so we want you to be a part of that. Um, we're moving forward. I just have a special message I want to share. It's a one-up kind of message. It's not a part of a series. And so this message is really talking about what happens when someone makes a major decision in their faith? So for a lot of you during Easter, you made a major decision for your faith. Um, you either decide to start a relationship with Christ and begin that journey, or you renewed that relationship. Now, depending on which one of those that happened, one of the things I know that's going to happen in your life, is, and I see it all the time in Christians, is there's this relational drift. So there's a relational drift that happens inside the life of different people, especially people that are pursuing their spiritual journey. <clears throat> so what does that look like, and then what do you do about it? And so today we're going to talk about what those relational drifts look like, and we're also going to talk about how, what do you do. And so being someone that came out of the 80s and 90s with a lot of music, some late 70s stuff, uh, we're going to use an acrall stick, REM, and talk about losing my religion. So we'll talk about that in just in a sec, but let's talk about what that looks like. And at the end of the day, what we're really talking about is relationship, and you've probably heard this, versus religion. Religion is man's... Um, pursuit to know God. There's nothing wrong with religion but when we look at the pursuit of man to know God, many times we try to reshape God or reshape the journey based on just our own understanding. But when you look at relationship and you look at the Christian relationship that we're to have, that's God's pursuit of mankind. And there's a big difference. One I see is very pure and the other one I see is very tainted. Maybe you've experienced that. So when you look at God's pursuit of us and, and we accept his pursuit. Then eventually, as we begin to make that more religious, we have relational drift. So what does that look like? Well, today we're going to talk about it from three perspectives, a geek, a cop, and a thrill seeker. A geek, a cop, and a thrill seeker. Now, those are just ways of painting it in a kind of a fun way, but what we're going to look at with those is what those look like as they get shaped in our lives, as we you and I experience relational drift. So let's jump in. This is not a new problem. It's not a new idea. So open up your Bible. We're going to look at Galatians 1, 6 through 12. And in that, you're going to see how even the first church, even some of the churches that Paul had planted, experienced relational drift. So let's look at that together. Verse 6 says, God, by his grace through Christ, called you to become his people. So I'm amazed that you're turning away so quickly and believing something different than the good news. And that's what we talked about Last week at Easter. Really, there's no other good news. But some people are confusing you. They want to change the good news of Christ. We preach to you the good news. So if we, ourselves, or even an angel from heaven, should preach to you something different, we should be judged guilty. Paul goes on to say anyone that preaches anything other than this one message, this one good news, again, which was God's pursuit of leaving heaven to come to earth to pursue us, that person should be judged guilty. And, and I think uh, Paul's very harsh with this, and I think he should be. In Jesus' day, they had um, Judaizers, Gnostics, and Essenes. These were just labels put on certain groups. But when you look at them, Judaizers were people that were saying, hey, we know you've come to this new faith in, uh, in Jesus, but you need to obey all of the Old Testament laws still. You still need to obey every dynamic of it, all the dietary requirements, the Sabbath, everything. And um, and you even see that today in certain Christian circles, that people try to obey all the rules. They think that's what it's about. Then there were the Gnostics. They said, it's all about what you know, that there's this hidden and secret knowledge, and you can only get it within our circle. And there's plenty of religions and cults that, that say the same thing. You can only get the real knowledge that you need within this little small circle. And then there were the Essenes. The Essenes was a group of people in Jesus' day that they went up on the mountainside, they segregated themselves from everyone else, and they believed that there was this specific experience that needed to be had, and that they had this experience, again, that this was the true faith. And I think all of them were confused, and all of them had lost what was at the heart of this gospel this good news. And so we're going to look at these three different areas. And so the first one we're going to look at is the religious geek. And a friend of mine years ago, as I heard him preach, called this hedinosis. Hedinosis. So, so the religious geek is the person that's all about what you know. That there's these certain things that you just have to kind of assimilate, put in your head, and that people that are mature in the Christian faith are people that know more than other people. Look at 1 Corinthians 8.1. It says, we know that we all possess knowledge. We know that all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And so if you've met this kind of person, it's all about what you know. And here's the problem with what you know. Let me ask you a simple question that most of you could answer, and it's about knowledge. Is honey sweet? Is honey sweet? When you think about this, this isn't a difficult question to answer, but if I told you it's sweet and you researched it's sweet, maybe looked it up on all the chemical properties and maybe you know that it's sweet, do you, do you actually know it's sweet? How do you know when it's sweet? <clears throat> you know honey sweet when you actually taste it, when you experience it. So there's nothing wrong with knowledge, there's nothing wrong with an experience, and there's nothing wrong with knowing what's, what is the right kind of honey you should eat that would give you the best benefits, but all of them dissected from one another don't give you the full experience of what you're supposed to have, and the same thing is true of the Christian faith. When you look at the Christian faith, it's not just what you know, And if you only leverage what you know, you're going to fall up so short, and and you're going to come out uh, very disappointed with your journey. In a very early Bible study, I found that this was true, that there were a lot of people that went to Bible study, not to experience the Bible and dialogue about the Bible and talk with one another about the Bible, but there were some people that just went because they wanted to just know more. And at first, as a young Christian, it impressed me a lot, and, and it made me... And what it, it drew me in, and I thought, well, maybe I just need to know more, and then I'll be more part of this group. But, but here's the problem. Again, it's, it's, it's a drift. It's okay to know more, but when that becomes the pursuit that you're chasing after, it will pull you away, and it'll be a drift that you won't come back from whole. It'll be a drift that can pull you away, and as it pulls you away, it'll draw you, in a way, away from the real Christian faith. And so the other thing is we right. That's the religious cop, Dewey Wright. A friend of mine called this Dewey Wright. And what he meant was there's some people that walk around in the church that believe that the the, the ultimate expression of the faith is just doing everything based on the law, the way things are supposed to be done. You've probably met people like this. They have a very strict observance at times of of everything that they do. They're, They're the police officer. They're the cop in your midst, in your church, or in your group. Now there's a difference in common sense law and just the letter of the law, isn't there? My dad was a police officer in Ocean Pines. One of the things he did after he got out of the army, he went and decided he would try that out for a while, be a police officer down there. And I remember doing ride-alongs with my dad. And there's some really good police officers out there who use a little bit more common sense and aren't just letter of the law, you've probably met them. My dad was one of those police officers who would stop someone and he'd stop them because they ran a stop sign or they were speeding, or whatever the infraction was. That was really just an excuse to have a conversation in my dad's mind as a police officer. And he would have that conversation with someone, and if, you know, they were a law-abiding citizen, there's no warrants out for their arrest, you know, that um, the reality was is that they just were speeding or just did a Hollywood roll, you know, and didn't stop all the way, he'd let them go all the time with a warning. Didn't matter. He just thought that was common-sense law. But if the person was arrogant, or there was a warrant out for them, or they were someone that they just, they, they were very insensitive and mean, the dad says, oh, yeah, they were getting the ticket, and he would throw everything he could at them. It was just common sense. It had to do with a uh, law of exchange. And so when I look at that, I look at there's a big difference because there's some police officers out there that use that kind of common sense. But then there's those that doesn't matter. It's just black and white, letter of the law. And if you look at that, you see that in the Christian journey as well. I had a friend who, uh, once he became a Christian... Um, He was told by another friend, you can only listen to Christian music. That's the only thing you can do now. So I remember he he went out and he grabbed all of his Van Halen albums, every rock and roll he had, he torched them out in the backyard as a big celebration of this new thing that was going, because he wanted to do everything that was right that he thought would draw him closer in this new relationship. He could have saved a lot more money if he would have just sold them to me, because I would have bought them. Uh, But the reality is, is, um, you see this in a lot of different ways. One of the ways you might see this is people say you can only read this version of the Bible. Or you can only practice the Sabbath on this particular day. It's all about the rules, and somehow they've drifted from the relationship. Look at what it says in Matthew 7:5. Hypocrite. First you're with a log in your own eye, and then you'll be, you'll be able to see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Here's the reality. The Christian faith, there's certainly things that said, this is the way you should live, and this is what will bring you closer in this relationship with Jesus. As you respond and you try to to move forward in a closer relationship. But when the pursuit to do that is so that you can feel more right. That you can feel more righteous than your neighbor or someone else. You've drifted and you've gone too far. But when your pursuit of doing something to be closer to Jesus. And because of that practice. That you might actually know him better. Is the motive of why you do the thing that's right. That's the right motive. And that's what's at the heart again of this kind of drift. So uh, John Wesley, uh, was a famous preacher, and one of the things that he said um, is he, you can see this, he, he struggled, but he also worked hard to try to keep this balance in his early faith and in the uh, faith of many of the people that uh, were working alongside of him as he started what we now know as the Methodist movement. And uh, I'll never forget his statement about how he came to faith. He had pursued the knowledge by becoming an Anglican priest, and he'd even tried to do the do right thing which, you know, he, he went out and he tried to do uh, missionary journeys, and he was a part of a group called the Holiness Club, and they had, they, they had strict observations of the way they would, uh, you know, practice their faith, and he just kept coming up short. And it wasn't until he began to understand all three of these dynamics that he, he really started to understand the Christian faith. Listen uh, out of his own journal what it said. He said about a quarter before nine, this experience that he had, he said while, uh, Luther, while they were describing Luther's um, commentary on the Book of Romans, Um, a change which describes God's work in the heart through faith in Christ, Wesley says, I felt a strange warmth come over me. I felt I did trust Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given to me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. You see, Wesley had begun to understand that there's there's three dynamics, and they need to be balanced. The third one that he had experienced right then that sometimes we can overamplify, is what we call the religious thrill-seeker. It's the thrill-seeker, and we call them chili-bumpus because they're always looking for the next thing that will give them the chili-bumps in church. The thing that gives them that emotional high, so to speak. And the reality is, is that it's okay to seek knowledge. It's okay to seek doing things right. And it's okay to seek religious experiences that are unique, but you can never make them the full focus of your energy. I'll never forget I was at a a couples retreat and uh, someone was leading worship on the piano and it was a wonderful worship time. We were singing some praise choruses. This was was a little 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 time ago. And I had my hands uh, raised in surrender and worship to God. And all of a sudden the room became very heavy. There was this heaviness that came over the room. And as that heaviness came over the room, I remember becoming very uh, keenly aware that the Holy Spirit was dealing with me on a certain issue. And that I was experiencing him in a, a more full way, I don't know if you could say, or even a, um, a more direct way, would probably be a better description. And the experience was so overwhelming, I thought I was going to pass out. And so I um, sat down in the chair until I kind of got my composure. And one of the things I noticed, that uh, is it was such an overwhelming experience, so amazing experience, uh, there was a part of me that longed for it to happen again. And I began to realize that there are people, and I've been one of those people at times, that you just try to go from one experience to the next, one mountaintop to the next. And somehow going from mountaintop to mountaintop, we can miss who the Lord is and what the Lord wants to do. Look at what uh, the Lord himself said in Luke 10, 20, when he said, don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Talk about experience that His early apostles were having. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven, written in the book of life. It's okay to have an experience, but don't Just go from experience to experience. There's a big difference in the maturity of the honeymoon versus the marriage. And if you've been married a while, you know what I'm talking about. Some people just want the honeymoon to continue. They just want that one experience to continue. But the reality is what you really need is to deepen the relationship and deepen the marriage experience. So how do you do that? How do you lose your religion? And R.E.M. talked about it, but I'm not sure that their description of it is really the way we want to follow it. But I think we can use it across, the, use using R.E.M. to just talk about what really needs to happen. Here's what needs to happen. For you to experience and continue to experience and have the fullness of the Christian faith, the first thing is remember your first love. Never forget your first love. In the Christian journey, what we're talking about is Christ. He's your first love. Revelation 3, 4 says, it says, yes, I hold, yet I hold this against you, Jesus talking to the church. You have forsaken your first love. We're never to forget that first moment, that first experience of when we came to know Jesus and how he transformed and changed our lives. For me, that happened. I remember when I uh, turned, was my early uh, 20s, I fell away from the faith. I forgot my first love. And because I forgot that first Experience in that first first wholeness of the faith, I just drifted, and you know what's funny was what brought me back to faith was remembering what first brought me to faith, and how I couldn't fabricate that, I couldn't fake that, that it was a very real experience, and it changed who I was inside and out, and that brought me back. One of the things that we need to do, I know right now we have this social isolation, we don't know how long it will last is we're planning right now to help people understand, again, that first experience and the basics of the Christian faith. And so I'm working right now to put together a Zoom class for what we call a gathering with grace. What does it mean to be a part of that initial gathering of God's church? And so I'm going to try to put that together in a Zoom class and get that out to you very soon because I don't want to keep people from making the right steps in their faith even though we're socially distant right now. The second thing you can do to really make a difference in your faith and losing your religion and building that relationship is enjoy the diversity of faith without becoming envious of others or others' experiences. Enjoy the diversity of faith without becoming envious. You always lose when you compare. You notice that? Um, this is true of people, it's true of churches, it's true of organizations. And so when I look at This idea of enjoying the diversity of faith. When you look around you, there are people that have had amazing experiences. It doesn't mean that God wants you to have the same experience. But he does want you to experience who he is. There are other people that have a certain way that they think about a specific area of theology or doctrine. It doesn't mean that you're going to land in the same place. There's other people that have certain rules or things around that shape who they are in their gathering. It doesn't mean that we will have those same rules that will shape our gatherings, and our people. And so the key is, instead of comparing and contrasting, it's to enjoy the diversity of God's kingdom and how diverse God's people are. You know, when I think about this, if you think about the family, many times the family is a microcosm of the kingdom of God. And when I look inside my own family, you know, my own kids and my wife and myself, we're very different. How we experience God is unique to us. Um, Where we are in our understanding and knowledge of of theology and scripture is different. You know, um, where we are in our specific practices of our faith is different. And I think the key is to do that with truth and integrity and to appreciate where people are. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't have a moment of correction. When something is way out of line with God's scripture, way out of line with God's heart, but that's for the church leadership and for people that are more mature in the faith to do. So we have to be careful when we correct, because the Bible says to correct in love based on truth. And I think that, yes, there's times of correction, but I think many times the things that we think need to be corrected are sometimes many things they are just preferential. And I think we need to be careful in choosing a difference. And there's a big, I think the thing we need to do is enjoy the diversity of the church. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all, the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but in the same God who does the work in all of us. But it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Listen, we should embrace diversity within our church. We should embrace diversity within the Christian family. And then we should also know how to measure things that are really about the gospel and about the truth of who God is and where to allow that difference. How do you know how to read the Bible? I think is what a lot of people are confused by. How do you know that this interpretation is right and this interpretation is wrong? Which one do I stand on? Which one do I not? Which one is preferential? Which one is something that we should make a part of who we are and how we operate? And uh, we explain that when we uh, do a class called uh, Growing with Grace. And again, we had that class planned before all this pandemic hit. And the reality is, church family, I want to offer it again on Zoom, because I think that you knowing how to read the Bible, how to observe Scripture, interpret Scripture, and apply Scripture is so important. And so, again, we're not going to keep waiting on the ability to gather again. We're going to be looking for ways to offer that as a Zoom class. So keep an eye on your email. That's something that we're going to move forward with. The third thing, I think, and looking at how to... Eradicate religion so that you can grow this new relationship, or this renewed relationship that you have, is make knowing Jesus the ultimate goal. Not only remember the first love, you know that's that's important. You know, uh, don't just enjoy the diversity of the church, but make knowing Jesus intimately the ultimate goal. Philippians three eight says, "What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. For whose sake I've lost all things." I consider them rubbish, garbage, that I might gain Christ. The Apostle Paul wrote this to the church of Philippi. And if anyone could be the religious cop, the geek, or the thrill seeker, it was Paul. Paul knew more about the scriptures than anyone of his day. Paul was someone who was a Pharisee, so he lived a strict religious life at that point. And Paul, he has a part of uh, the scripture where we're told... He was caught up into the third heaven. The reality is, is Paul knew what it meant to have all those three dynamics in his journey. And he came back and said, I count all those rubbish, garbage, when compared to the vast knowledge of just knowing Jesus as my personal Savior. To gain Christ in his fullness. That's where Paul is. The key to doing this Which many of you know is humility. It's humility. That you would not consider the Christian faith about what you get, but more about who you know and how you share Him with other people. So, there's a couple things you can do in this idea of making Jesus um, the ultimate goal, knowing Him in all of His fullness. Maybe you're hung up in a part of life. Maybe it's grief, maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a hurt done to you, or you've done to other people, and you don't know how to get through it. Well, I just want to let you know the recovery, um, that we've started a new process at Grace called a Shore Recovery. And Danny is doing such a great job of getting that out to people all across our peninsula. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m., you can engage with that. It's fully online on the same online platform, and you can begin a recovery journey, and by doing that, I think that you might be able to know Christ more fully because sometimes those things that hang us up in life have to be dealt with first. And so if you're dealing with something you can't get quite through it, then why don't you sign up for recovery? Just show up to the first um, class that we have or the first offering we have this Thursday and show up at the 6 p.m. and see how God speaks to you. Because I think recovery is for everybody. I think everyone who's hung up can experience the power of recovery because it's biblically based. Maybe you just don't know what it means to be a part of the local church, an integral part, a healthy part, then you should take gathering with grace because it's all about that relationship. Maybe you're wondering how to grow in your understanding and knowledge of the Bible. Then you should take growing with grace and grow with your church family. So maybe maybe you don't know how to do even family devotions, and we can talk about that. And just doing a simple family devotion while you're trapped in your house right now with your family could be a big way for you to make Jesus And knowing Him, the ultimate goal. Amen? Here's the reality. I know there's a next step for you. And would you do me a favor this week? Would you consider this? Think about this. Meditate upon this. Because here's my last question for you Who do you need to shake off? Is it the geek? It's all about the knowledge. Is it the cop? It's all about doing things right. Or is it the thrill seeker? Is it all about the experience that you're trying to have? Because what you really need to do is to focus more on Christ. Who do you need to shake off? The geek, the cop, or the thrill seeker to focus more on your relationship with Jesus. And I'm telling you, one of those things I listed, maybe even something I didn't list it, is the thing that's going to help you take that next step. Maybe it's showing up to recovery. Maybe it's taking the next class. Maybe it's learning how to study the Bible. Maybe it's learning how to do family devotions with your family. Here's the reality. One of those is gonna have a big impact on your journey and your life. I wanna pray for you in just a moment. And then after I pray for you, I would love for you to put on your Connect card, what's the next step? What is it? Is it to start attending recovery? Is it to take either gathering or growing with grace? Is it to understand how to study the Bible better? Is it you want to start family devotions and you're just not sure how to get there? Let me pray for you. Our Father, I thank you for each and every person that took time today. Yeah, we all struggle with religious drift. And the reality is, is the Christian faith is not about um, knowledge. It's not about doing things right, Lord. It's not about experiences. It's all about your son, your unique and one and only son. That's all about Jesus and the full experience of who he is is. God, help us to shake off whatever is holding us back so we can know him more fully and know him more deeply. God, today, show us what that is and help us to put on a card, whether it's to begin the relationship, know what it means to be a part of the church, know what it means to grow in our understanding of the Bible, or maybe just how to have family devotions. God, there's some way that you want us to respond. Give us the strength and the courage and the wisdom this day to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you know how God wants you to respond, you felt that very clearly, would you do me a favor? Fill out the connect card. It'll be in the chat area. It'll be on this website. It'll be in the email. There are so many different ways that we push and try to connect that card to you. And if you can get to that card, fill it out and let us know what's the next step because that next step is going to make the biggest difference in your journey in life. Thanks a lot. And I can't wait to see you. Don't forget, we've got a public prayer every Wednesday at noon. And... We also have an online Bible study that we do every Wednesday um, at 7 o'clock. Two different ways for you to connect, and I hope to be able to connect with you online this week. Have a blessed week.